Are you an accredited investor looking for a new opportunity to generate passive income and build the retirement of your dreams? Then elevate your investment game with Viking Capital, where wealth meets wisdom. Whether you're a seasoned investor or just starting out, Viking Capital can help guide you towards financial freedom through passive real estate investing. With strong and transparent underwriting, Viking identifies low-risk opportunities with the goal of preserving investor capital and maximizing long-term growth potential. And their accessible and responsive investor relations team will help you understand how each investment will impact your unique financial goals. With $800 million in assets acquired, more than $230 million in equity raised, and more than 5,000 units under management, Viking Capital is your path to early retirement. To learn about Viking Capital's latest investment opportunity, which is available for you right now, visit go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best. That's go.vikingcapllc.com forward slash best to get started today. Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHerCon is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, Promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. I think simultaneously growing as a person, as well as learning all the different things and the mechanics of how to invest the strategies... That really gave me an advantage, I believe. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest-running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest, Tim Kelly. Tim is joining us from Pensacola, Florida. He is the CEO and founder of of Kelly Housing Group, which invests in and syndicates residential and multifamily properties in the affordable and workforce housing space. Tim's portfolio spans across multifamily, mobile home parks, RV parks, and self-storage. He is also the vice president of education and co-owner of ADPI, which simplifies the process for active duty veteran military members and their families to create streams of passive income. Tim has also worked for the U.S. Navy for 15 years as a chief petty officer. Tim, thank you for joining us, and how are you today? Ash, it's a pleasure, man. I appreciate that intro. It was solid, and I'm doing well, man. Excited to be here and help add some value to your listeners. Awesome. The pleasure is mine. And Tim, before we get started, can you give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? 
Absolutely. Like you said, I spent 15 and a half years in the Navy coming from a suburb right outside of Chicagoland, Arlington Heights, Illinois, and all my family's from Illinois. So I joined the Navy when I was 21. And fast forward, I was just doing deployments and going from command to command. And then around my nine or 10 year mark, I went on a long deployment, grabbed a bunch of books and really got the real estate bug. And as soon as I got off that deployment, invested in myself and invested in education and just immersed myself in real estate. And that's where I quickly focused on commercial multifamily. I just was so attracted to that. The more I learned about it, the more I realized the scalability and all the benefits of commercial multifamily just were a lot more aligned with what I was looking to accomplish in real estate. And then I just hammered down and dialed in on apartment complexes, mobile home parks. And at that point, I moved to Pensacola, Florida, transitioned here from Virginia Beach, Virginia, where I was stationed before. And then I was fortunate enough to be on the Bigger Pockets podcast in 2018, sharing my story. And that's when the co-founder of ADPI, Active Duty Passive Income, heard me. And I've been co-owner and now the VP of Education for that community. And I separated from the Navy. So now I'm just investing full-time and then full-time as the VP of Education, helping grow and scale the community where we're just helping past and present military members create wealth in real estate by just owning more of America, the land that they fight so hard for and sort of protect. So I'm here. I'm also a high performance coach. I love helping people getting one-on-one with people to help break through their potential. And as we speak, I have a mobile home park under contract and a lot of exciting things happening in the active duty passive income community, man. So definitely staying busy and excited to share, man. How do you want to take this conversation? Well, listen, I'm glad you grabbed a bunch of real estate books instead of could have gotten a bunch of car magazines or just mindless reading, but you took the time to educate yourself. After that period of education, what were your action steps that you took? I love that question because that's what matters more than anything else, man. Everybody can get educated. The ones who are taking action are the ones that see transformation. So I really got off that deployment and I invested in myself and I got the education. And while I was educating myself, I was always putting myself in rooms full of other people who were looking to accomplish the same thing and who already did accomplish those. So I quickly saw that, hey, every single market has a RIA, a real estate investment association. So why don't I join it? And like the more and more I read about it, the more I would be excited and share with people in my work center and on the ships in the Navy and stuff. Everybody would just look at me like, what are you doing? Who do you think you are? You could take down all these large apartment buildings and stuff while you're active duty. So I had to find those people who could resonate with my goals and who was also trying to accomplish. So I just chose to be very intentional with the people that I was hanging out with, the people I was choosing to listen to, and the people that I was putting myself in rooms with. So I would look for meetups and look for real estate investment associations local to where I was living. And at that point, I was trying to get explicitly clear on what I was trying to do. And at first, I was learning so much about real estate, and it was like a fire hose of information. I was just going horizontal across all the different ways you can make money and create wealth. I was learning a little bit about single families, and then a little bit about flipping and wholesaling and creative finance and small multifamily, then commercial and creative strategies, all these different things. And I didn't get traction until I chose one. And I said no to everything else. And that's when I chose commercial and multifamily. And I said no to everything else. And that's where I was able to develop expertise, even without any experience, just so I was able to speak the language to potential partners, potential investors, brokers, especially. So they started taking me seriously. 
And then I just was sharing with everybody else, like who I was, what I was doing. And the action steps that probably were the most beneficial was at the RIA meetings that I would go to. At the time, the, the founder, the president of the meeting, he would allow anybody to go up to the front of the room and give a 30-second commercial. I'm like, huh. So I literally just did that. Every month, I just would go up there. I would say the same exact thing every single month and share exactly who I was, what I was doing. I was focused on commercial multifamily. We're always looking to give investors double-digit returns. I had an extraordinary tax benefits, and I was letting them know what I was doing. Just very clear, nothing complicated or advanced terminology. It was very simple, like Barney style, more simple. So your five-year-old daughter, son, or niece or nephew could understand what you mean. So doing that and just sharing with everybody what I was doing, just getting excited about it and continuing to educate myself. So sharing what I was doing, sharing my elevator pitch with as many people as possible, and then growing personally and professionally while I was learning the mechanics of real estate, not only the knowledge, but how to communicate better, how to lead, how to influence people, how to communicate, how to have more energy. And then that's kind of took me on the path to becoming a high performance coach. But I think simultaneously growing as a person, as well as learning all the different things and the mechanics of how to invest the strategies, that really gave me an advantage, I believe. I love it. Going back to your elevator pitch, how long did it take for that to get traction? It's like literally 15 to 20 seconds and I could share it. And Let's and do it. I want to hear it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's one, like literally the same thing. It's like, give me the um, one that you first started with, not the refined yeah. one. The one that I first started with is not very different from what it is today. So right now it's kind of a blend because I've just optimized it over time, but it's go to the front of the room or anytime you're having a conversation with somebody, Hey, my name is Tim. My partners and I invest in and syndicate commercial and multifamily properties in the workforce and affordable housing spaces with an emphasis on apartment complexes mobile home parks, storage facilities, and RV parks. We always love offering our capital investors double-digit returns and extraordinary tax benefits, and we love looking at markets with a predictable path of progress. We're constantly looking for deals, and we're constantly looking for partners. How do you want to collaborate? What stood out to you? Nice and simple. Something just like that. Very simple, very clear, just very direct, and that's it. Yeah, Tim, I want to dive back into something you talked about earlier. I've got a lot of friends that are ex-military that are now syndicators. I've got a lot of people that were former police officers or firemen that now are into real estate. And there was a lot of backlash when they shared what they were working on. Did you find the same thing? I mean, you mentioned that a little bit where they're like, wait, what are you doing? What do you think you're going to do? And were you able to convert people or did you just have to kind of distance yourself from the established culture? That's a really good question, man. And that's one of the reasons why I transitioned out after 15 and a half years. I had four and a half years left until I would have got this glorified pension. And it didn't make sense for me to stay in, to spend the next four years doing something that I wasn't passionate about. I'd probably be on a deployment right now. I still would be active duty as we speak. I would have a couple more years left until I was able and eligible for retirement. But while I was getting into all this, I was, I was just getting really excited. I was learning all these new things. My mind was expanding. I was growing personally and professionally. And like a lot of the people that I was surrounded by, I was excited to share it with people around, but there wasn't a whole lot of reaction. There wasn't a response that I was looking for. I'm like, why are these people not excited? I'm learning all these things and I'm sharing it with them. And I naturally just want to help people. And what's interesting is that 
when I was serving in the Navy, one of my collateral duties wasn't my like main duty, but one of my collateral side duties was a command financial specialist. I've always just had an interest in money and personal finance. So I was able to help and sit with service members through financial counseling, whether they needed it, whether they wanted it or whether they had to go through it for their duty. Say if they were going to like a special duty station or submitting a special package, we would have to evaluate their debt to income ratio. We would have to evaluate to make sure they're not in all kinds of debt. So through that, people saw me as someone who just loved doing that. Then I would like even give seminars and I would hold certain training events during on the deployments, just about car buying and just money and personal finance and building wealth as I was learning this stuff. So people who were the ones who were resonating with me, the ones that would ask questions with me, I would recognize the ones who would resonate with. So those are the ones I would share my experience with and kind of share my energy with this whole journey. But for the most part, I wasn't secretive about it. If someone approached me about it, I would always be honest and everything like that. But for the most part, it's focus on your mission. Don't do anything else. But your military time stops at one point or another. And that's what our whole community, Active Duty Passive Income, is about, is to establish this passive income and establish wealth. So whenever you do decide to get out, you won't have to go get another job and, and do something you don't enjoy. You'll be able to create wealth and have that financial freedom. So yeah, hope that answers your question. Yeah, it does. So now when you're trying to educate active duty members that want passive income, is there that mindset hurdle that you have to overcome with them? And the, the yeah. people that don't get it, how do you emphasize the importance of this to them? I think military members, we are just a very rare breed. Only 1% of the population will ever serve or have served. And anybody that goes through this would need a mindset shift. But in the military, it is. There's less financial education almost in the military than there is in our society in general. So that's why it was a pleasure for me to be a command financial specialist while I was in. So I was continuing to educate people. But some people get it and some people don't. If they don't have a why, if they don't have a personal desire or curiosity about it, you can't force anybody to learn about something. But yeah, everybody has to go through the mind shift first and foremost in order to, why should I look at business or investing or passive income? And that's what the Rich Dad Poor Dad book is a great job just sharing the stories in there. And that's why I love this. The first book I, I have people read among a lot of other different books. But I have learned that you can't force anybody to change. You have to just show the example and be the example. And now that in our community, so many testimonials, almost 100,000 members this year will hit in our Facebook group alone of past and present military members. And a small percentage of them are actually action takers who are joining our academies, who are in our masterminds and who are doing deals and finding success. So yeah, we are a rare breed, man. The general pop who are interested in real estate, we all know that the certain percentage of them are just going to be tire kickers. A certain percentage of them are, are going to try it and fail and never do back. And then a small percentage are going to try it, fail, 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 and then eventually succeed. Yeah, it's cool. I love how you're trying to help the culture as a whole and you're making progress, man. That's awesome. Yeah. So let's dive back into your real estate journey. After your education, what did you start doing to get to where you are today? Yeah, great question, man. I got off that deployment in 2015. And like I said, I went really horizontal across all these different asset classes and I paid for education, paid for mentorship, paid for coaching. So I invested in myself and I just had so much information and 
until I focus on one, until I drill down and chose one asset class and one strategy, that's when I got traction. And that's when I decided to consider myself, I am a commercial multifamily investor. That's it. I say no to everything else. And that's when I got more educated. That's when I was able to speak the language. That's when I got my elevator pitch. That's when I started showing up to meetings and networking with people and shared with all that was in the room who I was, what I was doing. And so before I kind of transferred here to Pensacola, I got orders. I was in stationed in Virginia Beach and I got orders to Pensacola and I already had that decision, commercial multifamily was I was focusing on. So I connected with people via the internet, via bigger pockets and different online platforms. People who were already in Pensacola, I was looking for people specifically who were investors, brokers, property managers in the commercial multifamily space. So I was building a network before I even got there. And by the time I got there, that same month, I actually ended up closing on a four unit property because I love the house hacking strategy. And I love teaching house hacking to the military members. That's actually what our, our book, it's a best-selling book called Military House Hacking. It's just a, such a great tool, the VA loan. You could buy a fourplex for 0% down with the VA loan. So the month that I got here, closed on a fourplex, but I was focused on the large deals. And so six months later, that's when I was able to close on the 42 unit apartment complex with people that I had built the relationships with. And I was partnering with and looked at brokers with, and I was raising capital with. And then six months after that, did in a bubble home community here locally, not far in, in Alabama, that where I'm not far from. So I think the fact that I focused and I said no to everything else, I drilled down on my education. I networked. I was constantly letting other people know what I was up to. And I was just crystal clear on my criteria. And as I was growing as a person, personal professional development, my self-awareness went up. And I think it's so important to constantly improve your self-awareness and how you could add value to the deals. Figure out how you fit into the deals and fit into a team and what you could bring to the table. So that's what I was kind of dialing in on. And then I just started focusing on commercial multifamily at that point. And then I joined ADPI, was educating this whole community, building the masterminds, building the education. And now we have our mortgage branch, insurance company, and all these different things. We launched a fund. We have a conference coming up. But I think the fact that I drilled down and focused on commercial multifamily, I was able to keep my competence up because I was teaching so much. And I'll just still continue to investing. And now I'm still focused on investing in a mobile home park under contract with the team here in Tennessee that we're closing here in a couple of weeks and excited about that. Tim, what's the hardest lesson you've learned so far in real estate? Whether Man. it's about deals, people, partners. There's a lot of lessons. A couple come up that I would like to discuss. Property managers are really, really important. They are literally the face of the asset and they are day-to-day -day financially responsible for the health of your asset. They're responsible for the financial health of your asset. You're not managing the managers properly. There's going to be things. If you're not inspecting what you expect, there's a really good chance that you might not be satisfied with their performance. We've had to fire a handful of general contractors and then also a handful of property managers along the way. So I think making sure you know that there's a track record of the property manager in the asset class, specifically in the market where your asset is, is really, really important. And then finding the right partners and team members and coming up with the expectations and the roles and responsibilities and the comp model in the beginning before you just partner, do a deal, and then you figure it out along the way, upfront, devising a plan and hashing out what are all the roles and responsibilities, who's going to do what, and how is everybody going to get compensated along the way. Having that up front, 
removes so many different misunderstandings and potential conflicts and aggravation, essentially, throughout the process of the partnerships. I've been in multiple different partnerships for different deals, for different reasons. And people have life that happens sometimes. And you think that the way someone behaves or acts or shows up is just going to stay consistent. Certain things happen. You have to almost upfront prepare for the worst. Expect the best, but prepare for the worst. And how are you going to handle that and have those conversations up front before you move through the deal, before you close? Yeah, that's a great example, man. I've learned that lesson about partners the hard way. It sounds like you learned a pretty tough lesson as well about partners. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. It's no secret that everyone is trying to find a recession-proof investment right now. What if you could invest in one of the most recession-resilient asset classes of the last 25 years with one of the best teams in the U.S.? Self-storage is that asset class, and Reliant Real Estate Management is that team. Reliant Real Estate Management is the 17th largest storage operator. They have sold over $1 billion in self-storage assets and have lost no investor principal with the average project-level IRR of 33% in the last three years. Right now, you can be one of the first to invest in their next fund at ReliantFund4.com. Fund4 is a $100 million equity fund with seven properties already identified to close before the end of 2022. If you're an accredited investor, visit ReliantFund4.com to download the investment summary and schedule a call with Reliant's experienced team. That's ReliantFund4.com, R-E-L-I-A-N-T-F-U-N-D-F-O-U-R.com. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Invest investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. So going back, you mentioned having partners per deal, but defining roles ahead of time, how can you ensure that consistency or how do you monitor it rather? Knowing what you bring to the table is really important. Like I said, improving your self-awareness. And sometimes until you get into a deal and go through the process, sometimes you don't know what your strengths are and how you should show up and how you could add the most value to a deal. So having the conversations up front, having a comp model that makes sense where it's just broken down. Let's say it's a syndication and your general partnership team consists of two people or three people. Well, who found the deal? Who underwrote the deal? Who's going to be doing due diligence? Who's raising the capital? Who's going to be the asset manager and control operations? Breaking that down up front and then having metrics along the way is really important. And the best metric, the best measurement is obviously your financial report and your monthly profit and loss to see if you are on track. And along the way, monitoring how things are looking and what's trending up, what's trending down is pretty much going to be the best flag measure. 
but your lead measures are going to be how many meetings you should have, how often you should be sending information to your investors, how often you should be inspecting the property and doing walkthroughs. So some of the tasks don't really have specific metrics that you could follow. But I think the numbers and the finances and the financial management report is going to be your best way to measure what really needs to be tweaked, if that makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. So thank you for breaking down in detail how to essentially measure people's performance. And I think it's really important for the best ever listeners. You hear these stories about Silicon Valley startups and somebody appointed themselves the CEO and they hired their buddy. He was going to be a CFO and the COO. And until you do a deal together and actually go through it full circle, you don't know if these people are going to be right for your company going forward. So don't put any of that stuff in stone. Like you said, define your roles, have some measurements in place, and then debrief at the end of that full cycle. See what went right, what went wrong, and see if you want to do another deal with these people. And over time, if you have a lot of successes, yeah, then solidify your positions, solidify your company, the roles, equity, whatever. Yeah, man, I've learned that too. Tough lessons about partners and you got to really put people's feet to the fire. Thank you again for sharing that. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Oh man, I would say I'm a huge advocate of just mindset in general. And I would say self-care is not selfish, meaning taking time every single day to have distraction free time. And some people, that's what some people call their morning routine. When they literally just have 30 minutes, 45, 60 minutes to just be quiet, meditate, get a workout in journal, and just think about what the most important things are that you need to do for the day and for the week ahead. So creating that distraction free time, whether it's at the beginning and whether you wake up early and, and get it done and it's distraction free, or maybe it's late at night and you're just planning the day ahead, but taking time for you, for your own personal and professional growth. I mean, one of my favorite things, this is kind of like a time management slack, you know, personal development hack, but something called the EDE ratio. If you look at all your time, the free time that you have and the education to entertainment ratio should be 80 to 20. So 80% of free time that you have outside of your duties and responsibilities, of course, 80% of the time should be towards your growth, towards you, to your personal development, just improving yourself and growing and working on you, whether it's reading, meditating, journaling, and then 20% of it should be entertainment, your hobbies. And that's just as important as the 80% and being able to enjoy the things you love. For me, I can't live without music. I've been playing drums all my life. I'm in a band where we get the gig and play in front of people. And I love seeing live music and playing live music. So like, music is a thing. And I love traveling around. And I'm actually headed to Colorado tomorrow. And I'll be at Red Rocks Amphitheater here next week seeing a show. So who's playing? Revolution. If you're familiar, it's a reggae band. Awesome. E-ratio is super helpful, but taking the time for yourself and figuring out what ratio really works for you in terms of education to entertainment. But the most successful people on the planet use that as a rule of thumb, that 80-20 EDE ratio. Yeah, that certainly puts things into perspective, man. I got to redefine my life. <laughs> yeah. 80% on education. I love it. Let's dive into those numbers on that 42 unit, if you don't yeah. mind. What was the purchase price? 
So it was back in September of 2017. It was, it was rough, but we got 42 units for 700K. This was just north of Mobile, Alabama. And then we wrapped about 350-ish in CapEx. It was about half occupied. It was a very distressed situation, a lot of deferred maintenance. So yeah, we purchased it for 700 and we wrapped about 350K into the deal. So total purchase price was a little over a million. Is this the first time you raised capital? Yeah. Was it just you or did you have partners on this deal? No, I found my partner online before I got here. The minute I got here, we created a partnership. It was my friend Jay and I. He was kind of like the left brain, more analytical, numbers-driven dude. And I was the more right brain, kind of the visionary and the one that does stuff like this. And he and I found that deal through a broker. And we actually brought it to a couple guys in our local RIA that we had met going to those meetings religiously. <laughs> so we actually had us two first. And then we brought two other partners who already had some experience. They had already done commercial multifamily deals. Also two other military guys. So we ended up partnering with them and that was the very first deal. And we all raised capital and most of the capital actually came from our local RIA. What percentage down did you have to put on this? It was local bank recourse. And I think we put 25%. So 75 LTV, if I'm not mistaken, man, it was like okay, five so, and a half years ago, yeah. we exited out of that two years ago. So. Roughly raised about half a million dollars? Yeah. How did you get the broker to give you this deal when you guys were unestablished? That's a great question. The fact that we were educated when I decided to just say no to everything else and focus on commercial multifamily, we could speak the language. And some brokers are going to screen you and evaluate you. But if you have the energy and the confidence and share with the broker crystal clear criteria, like this is exactly what I'm looking for. This is what we're doing. And the fact that he sent us multiple deals and we gave him feedback on all those deals. He's like, okay, well, these guys know what they're talking about. We did not know where the money was going to come from. We knew we were going to have to raise it. We knew we had an idea of who we were going to be able to partner with. But I think providing the feedback and proving to the broker that you have the capacity to close, that you know what you're talking about. I think that really convinced him to continue to sending us deals. And then we ended up getting that deal. The numbers made sense per our analysis. And then we found a couple of partners who had already done deals. They already had a local lender relationship. So they already had the debt secured and they already had some investor relationships. And we just raised the rest of the capital locally from friends and family. It was a 506B syndication. So yeah, I think it's just through religious feedback and letting them know, even if you don't have any experience, you have to have the faith in yourself and define yourself as a commercial multifamily investor. And if you can't, it's going to be hard for brokers to take you seriously. It's going to be tough for investors to take you seriously. So figuring out what you need to do to have the faith, and usually that's education and education, education, networking, and then things start making sense and the way you speak about it. And if you're engaged in conversations with it, it just rolls off your tongue and you sound like you know what you're talking about, even with no experience. So that's probably the biggest thing is just giving the broker feedback and the fact that we were educated, letting them know exactly our crystal clear criteria and that we knew what we were talking about. That's probably what did it. Yeah. And I want to emphasize that again. It's so important. One, sound like you're not going to waste the broker's time. If, if you don't have your questions written down ahead of time, you're wasting their time, right? And if they're not rehearsed, they're not going to take you seriously. But then what you mentioned about feedback, so important. Imagine a broker sends you three or four deals and they don't hear anything from you because the deals suck. Well, if you tell them why the deal isn't right for you, they can then refine their approach. 
you're on the forefront of their thoughts because you gave them that feedback. You're probably one of a single digit percentage of people that actually gave them the feedback. So great way to separate yourself from the herd. What was the exit on that 42 unit? Do you remember? In terms of price. purchase price, I think we ended up selling for 1.9. It was like triple digit returns for all of our investors. It was rough along the way. We didn't really take any money. We had to actually invest a little bit of our own personal funds back into the deal throughout the deal. We ended up firing a property manager and firing a couple of GCs. But yeah, we exited eventually and it ended up being a, a pretty solid return for everybody. Tim, what's the biggest thing that went wrong on that deal? And what's the biggest thing that you guys did wrong on that deal? I would have to say we couldn't really control this. While we were under contract to sell, we were literally under contract to sell it. And I don't know if you remember back in September of 2020, Hurricane Sally came through the panhandle and literally completely destroyed the roof of that. And luckily we had good insurance and that kind of saved our butts. And then the buyers ended up actually not complaining because they got a new roof out of it before closing. But I would have to resort to the property manager. And that was my first deal. And we thought we vetted the property managers right. But the biggest risk that we took was that this property manager specifically, they had only single family rental management experience, but they were so convinced and they were so fired up to scale into multifamily. So they convinced us that they would be able to learn what is different about residential. So we were kind of like their beta test. We were their crash dummies. So that was the biggest risk that we took. And that's why earlier I mentioned, make sure that whatever property manager you're going for already owns and operates assets that you're looking to have managed and in that same market and they understand the tenants. Um, so probably the biggest mistake was hiring that property manager, but we couldn't find any quality. They were probably the best that we interviewed from what we thought, but yeah, we had to switch gears. So that, that ended up being probably our hardest decision. We lost thousand dollars doing that. Yeah. I get though, that you want to give somebody a chance. It's like looking in the mirror, man, on that first deal, you want that broker to give you a chance. Yeah. And I'm sure the property management company had the same energy and determination that you probably did or close to it. And it would have felt really good if they had made it and they killed it. And now they're big time property managers, but it didn't work out. But I get that. Gave him a fair shot. Tim, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? Yeah, man, let's do it. All right, Tim, what's the best ever book you recently read? Not finished with it yet, but one of my buddies, I'm going to mastermind with him, Jason Jerees, Do the Impossible. It's actually uh, Bigger Pockets Publishing, all about mindset. He's another performance coach, great guy. So I highly recommend the book, Do the Impossible. And Tim, what's the best ever way you like to give back? Every time my band plays, we actually donate 100% of our tips to two different organizations. Number one, the USO, which is United Services Organizations. It's a military nonprofit. They're in most of the airports and they have centers all around the world where it's like a home away from home for military members. And my wife actually used to run the center here in Pensacola. So we donate half of our tips to the USO, the military nonprofit, and we donate the other half to CRI, which is Children's Rescue Initiative that helps combat child trafficking around the world. And Sam, how can the best ever listeners reach out to you? If you're listening and you're past or present military, whether you're serving or you ever have served, or if you're a family member or a military spouse, 
definitely check out active duty passive income. I'm hanging out in there all the time on the VP of education. So in the Facebook group and just around that community, we have a huge conference coming up in October. We're super excited about, but for anybody else, LinkedIn, I'm on there pretty much daily. It's at the Timothy Kelly. Instagram, also at the Timothy Kelly. And my website is thetimothykelly.com. But if this is resonating with you and you just want to connect, just shoot me a text and we'll just schedule a call. You can reach me at 847-910-9161. Tim, I got to thank you again for your time today. Thank you and your family for your years of service and your sacrifice and the story of how you just relentlessly educated yourself, took action and made a great life for yourself. Look where you're at now and there's great things coming for you in the future. So thank you again. I appreciate it, Ash. Have an amazing day, brother. You too. Best ever listeners. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star review. Share the podcast with someone you think can benefit from it. Also follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day.